while we are all still standing, I'd like to offer this, our scripture lesson for the sermon today. I will continue on from where the gospel lesson ended. I'll be reading from Luke chapter 1. I'll begin in verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. The people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering at his delay in the temple. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. When the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant and she kept herself in seclusion for five months saying, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace from among men. Thus far the reading of God's word and all of God's people said, Amen. Heavenly Father, in your kindness, cause your word to sink deeply into our hearing and may our lives be shaped by your thunderous word. We pray all of this through Jesus our Lord and amen. amen. You may be seated. Zacharias became a daddy when he was very old. And prior to the birth of this child, he lost his speech. Zacharias became mute. He was silenced. Words were removed. He could no longer talk. Shh. Zacharias was an old man. And he was a priest. He was married and his wife's name was Elizabeth. And she was also up there in years. Elizabeth was an elderly woman, a mature woman, a senior saint. Zacharias and Elizabeth had each other over the years, just each other. No children were given to them, and during their years as husband and wife, they had no diapers to change, no runny noses to wipe, no boo-boos or owies to kiss, and no childhood tears to dry. Elizabeth was not able to have children, and now she is well advanced in years. They had prayed for years, but like their lives, the likelihood of those prayers being answered resulting in children seems to have dried up. People their age typically do not have nurseries. People their age typically do not have the knees capable of bouncing little ones or of running after little ones. Hopes for children likely faded and then morphed into longing for contentment in their remaining years, desires for peaceful departures. Perhaps they even wondered who might go first. They had walked together over the years, 
And we can't be faulted if we imagine that they now may wobble a bit when they walked in these, their evening years. Previously, they would have looked to the years ahead with clear vision and hopes. Yet now, with diminishing faculties, eyesight and hearing, they would look at life differently. Who would have guessed that one of them would lose the ability to speak? Zacharias and Elizabeth would have been well known to each other, their bedtimes and their get-up times, the familiar touch of the other's hand, favorite foods, and they would have shared many conversations. However, now Elizabeth's husband became wordless. The home became quieter. Shh. Hmm? Now, we know what happened but just what precisely occurred in Zacharias' mouth, we don't know. And any suggestions would be as speculative as my imaginative peek into their lives and marriage. We are still in Advent, prior to the birth of Jesus. This is a time of anticipation and expectation as we await the Father's gift of His Son. In this anticipation, today we back up to the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist, the one who will precede Jesus, the Father's Son. John the Baptist's father is this man who can no longer speak, our Zacharias, Elizabeth's Zacharias, an aged priest made wordless. Zacharias, now evidently retired from the priesthood due to his age, was still able to participate in the burning of temple incense, and he does so according to the division set up by King David long ago. The incense represents the prayers of the people going up as a fragrant aroma to the Lord. This was a privilege an honor, an opportunity to serve. He has not been shelved. He is still involved. Being a senior usually does not mean more activity, but rather less. Zacharias enters the temple. The crowd is gathered outside. Zacharias is in the temple by himself and right then, an angel of the Lord appears to him on the right side of the altar of incense, right where Zacharias was going. Zacharias did what people do when they encounter an angel. He became fearful, coming apart at the seams, trembled with fear. Fear gripped him. Fear landed upon him. The angel did what angels do, delivered a message. Angels are messengers. We do not know if the incense was ever offered. 
You just heard the angel's message. It was in our gospel lesson. Hear it again for the very first time. Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Well, Zacharias has not yet lost his speech. So he asks, understandably, how will I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. The messenger answers, and now we find out that this messenger is none other than the angel Gabriel. I am Gabriel, was the answer, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, take note, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in the proper time. Silence. Silence during his wife's pregnancy. This has to be the first recorded instance of a true pregnant pause. Silence. According to scriptures, there is a time to speak and a time to be silent. To everything there is a season. Turn, 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 and now... Zacharias is turned from speaking to silence. This is an imposed time of silence upon Zacharias. Now, it is possible for silence to strike us as odd, especially since we live in such a wordy world, a noisy world, the din and the decibels, the discussions and the debates. There seems to be a rush and a crush to fill the chasm of the quiet. For many, solitude and silence is avoided in plague-like fashion. It is not just the world which is loud. Sometimes silence can be deafening. Even so, there are times when we wish someone would just stop talking. I once heard it said of a particular politician, never have I heard someone speak so long and say so little. Our Lord Jesus Christ once spoke of the hypocrites and says, do not think you shall be heard because of your many words. Still, silence is odd. Apart from the occasional Silence is found in comedy, Bueller, Bueller. We still find silence to be uncomfortable. Why is that? Well, when words are removed, 
Life is removed. Wordlessness is a form of lifelessness. Without the words of the Creator at the beginning, there would be no life. Without a let there be, there would be nothing. Yet, there are appropriate and holy silences in the Bible, and this is one of them. Zacharias' silence is more than a mere punishment for disbelief. Silence before holiness is most appropriate. Zacharias is face to face with Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Silence is often the very right response of reverence before the Lord and His message. The 37th Psalm says, rest in the Lord. Actually, be silent before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Psalm 131 speaks of, the psalm is, I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child who rests against his mother. Psalm 62, my soul waits in silence for God only. Again, my soul waits in silence for God alone. Our Old Testament lesson today ended with these words. Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord, for he is aroused from his holy habitation. Silence is appropriate when the Lord acts. The Lord is acting. Shh. Mouths are appropriately shut when upon the vast precipice of holiness. Mouths are closed when face to face with fearful glory, as with Zacharias in the presence of a holy messenger. And we know this. It is not uncommon for the Lord to shut mouths and responses. The Lord did this to the lions for Daniel. The lions' mouths were closed by the Lord. The Lord doesn't seek our consent or agreement. The Lord does. The wind and the waves were hushed by the Lord of glory. When Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves, there was an immediate obedience. They didn't talk back. They didn't say, let me finish this wave. Let me finish this. I'll be right there. When the Lord spoke to the demons who were swarming upon and within the naked, screaming, demon-infested tomb dweller, Jesus used a single word. Go. There was no halting, no hesitation, no demonic debate. And it is no wonder that Martin Luther would then write, the prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word, go, shall fell him. Sometimes our Lord closes mouths 
in love. The returning prodigal goes to his father with a rehearsed speech, and the father closes his mouth mid-speech. Get a robe, bring a ring, bring some shoes, and let's, let's, let's eat together. The law of God, which is righteous and holy and good. Paul says, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that the entire world, every mouth may be closed and the entire world may become accountable. Zacharias's silence is sensible in the presence of the holy and was, in part, a punishment for disbelief. But his silence is also part of a larger story. As a priest, Zacharias represents Israel. Israel has, for the most part, abandoned the Lord's word. And so the words are removed. In this, Zacharias has become something of a walking show and tell. Actually, uh, more like a walking show and no tell. A wordless priest. Hmm? A wordless ministry. Zacharias has become a parable of the times. There's more. Silence sets the stage for the word to be given. A stunning and a dramatic silence occurs before the word comes forth. In just a little bit, you turn the page, you'll find that the silent night sky would soon be shattered by the bright presence of angelic voices singing to shepherds while tending to their flocks in the darkness of night. Night is present. Silence is present. Words were not there. And then the announcement comes, shattering both the darkness and the silence, which will be pierced by the Word made flesh, whose own flesh will be pierced. This also makes sense of the entire story of Scripture and shows why it is most appropriate for us to come before holiness with a reverent mutedness. In many traditions, folks would enter the place of worship, recognizing it as a place of worship, a place where the Lord meets with His people. They would enter with a form of reverence, Readiness, waiting. Habakkuk 2.20. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Not just you, the whole earth. Shh. As a matter of fact, we demonstrate this as well as we await the word to be read. We wait to receive the word. We're not there examining the word that is read as if we're studious. Got to see if he read it correctly. 
No, we take the position, the posture of the humble one, and we let the word wash over us. We hear the word. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, shma, listen. Hearing is a position, a posture of humility. We're not in charge of it. We are to receive it. And that happens every Lord's Day when the Old Testament, the Epistle, the Gospel, and the Scripture lessons are read. Then our tongues are loosed to sing and to pray and to praise. And the reality is this. If we do not respond that way after the silence which is shattered by the Word made flesh, the Lord will do something else. The Lord will take that which is usually silent and allow them to speak. For if even the little children do not pray and praise and cry out, the Lord will make the stones speak. Silence. On this fourth Sunday of Advent, prior to the birth of the Word made flesh, the Word given to us, offered to you in the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and amen.